hello, everybody, and welcome back to this episode of Your Mortgage Process. I, of course, am your host, Greg Wareham. We have a great guest for you today. But before we get there, I, I just want to talk about all the time we've spent over the past several months talking about sales and sales techniques. And there's so many different styles to the sales approach, right? So are you a closer? Are you an objection handler? Are you analytical? Are you passive? Are you aggressive? And the list can go on and on about the different styles and different techniques for sales. Now, a very successful salesperson like our guest today will blend many of these approaches together in order to fine tune the overall approach. But to me, the two biggest attributes of a great salesperson are your ability to listen and your ability to ask questions. You know, if you're listening to what your client is talking to you about, you know what questions to ask, right? It's pretty simple. And after training and managing hundreds of salespeople over a 25-year career, I've worked with countless amounts of salespeople that just want to talk. They don't listen to anything. It's that proverbial show up and throw up. And as a consumer, personally, I don't know that there's anything worse than a salesperson just rattling off things to me that I'm not even interested in. It kills the rapport, and it makes it just feel like someone's selling me something. So part of what we're going to talk about today with our guest is the art of listening and questioning as it relates to his business, and then go a little bit deeper. So with that, I am happy to introduce today's guest, Mr. Ron Eisen from the Eisen Group. Greg, good morning. How are you? I'm great, Ron. Good to see you today. Thanks for having me. Appreciate you guys got to make sure you watch this video. Ron's a really good looking guy with great <laughs> hair. So, I mean, I don't lie, Ron. All right. Uh, so, if you Ron, say so. <laughs> so. Ron, give us a little bit of background on yourself. So, originally, I am from Brooklyn, New York. And um, uh, in my past life, I was a financial advisor. I worked on Wall Street for a little over 20 years. And uh, prior to getting into real estate, I did quite a bit of financial planning for a lot of my retail clients. And uh, during my time as a financial advisor and doing the financial plans, I was asked to recommend a realtor because the client was either downsizing or just wanted to buy something else or an investment property. And I kept losing that business. Mm -hmm. And so I, you know, a little light bulb went up in my head and I said, you know what, let me take a look and see if my compliance department would allow me to do you know, everything. So, okay. you know, get my real estate license, do financial planning for my clients and do be like a one-stop shop. Mm -hmm. uh, went over to the compliance head and they said, yeah, why not? Go ahead, do it. Within two and a half weeks, I had my license and, uh, you know, just uh, started my real estate career. And how long did you have a dual career? I was doing it for about eight months. Okay. Uh, and my first real estate deal was actually a two and a half million dollar sale. <laughs> Once that happened, I said, you know what? I think it's time to hang up my license right. on the financial service side and do real estate full time. That's fantastic. And you've been in the industry since when, Ron? Uh, six years now. Okay. A little over six years. Six years. And during that time, I know, you, I know you've had some really great years. Uh, how did you do last year? Have you, been, have you been platinum level producer? So 2020 was actually my best year in real estate. Okay. Uh, it's crazy because I speak to so many people and it's just so so many different um, conversations that I have with people yeah. uh, as far as what happened in 2020. And, um, you know, my business flourished, whereas so many others did not. And uh, just really grateful for it. Yeah, I hit platinum in 2020. Congratulations. Um, thank you very much. And um, I thought that would trickle into 2021, but the market got really, really tough. And uh, things have changed quite a bit in 2021 after 2020. And 
I didn't hit platinum. I did hit gold, mm-hmm. uh, but I'm on par right now for a platinum year this year. So yeah, it's amazing, Ron, how you have to reinvent yourself, even yeah. though it's the it's the same industry, but you have to change with everything that's going on in the times. Absolutely. So, all right. So when you got into the business, and that was about six years ago, how did you focus on driving your client base? So just basically, what people always say is use your sphere of influence for your success. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people don't do that. And they just try to shrug it off and do something different. But I focused on that specifically. I am originally from Brooklyn, New York. And um, a lot of my client base comes from the Brooklyn area and also the Staten Island area. Mm -hmm. And that's what I just focused on in the beginning. Um, So on Facebook, where I have most of my transactions come from, uh, most of my clients are from Brooklyn, Staten Island area, the New York area. So that's what I focus on, and that's what's been more successful for for my business. And what percentage of your business comes from that forum? I'd say about 90% from Facebook alone. Wow. So when you're putting together the plan to go after your sphere of influence, specifically in that social media marketplace, how do you create relationships with everyone? So on Facebook, it's free. Uh, It doesn't cost anything to friend someone, right? So I see an individual on there and I see that we have at least 10 mutual friends. So I go ahead and, you know, friend request them. And then I send them a private message just to say hello and kind of get that conversation started. Because a lot of people say we don't want to necessarily cold call. So this is not cold calling. So this is more of a warm call or a warm message. And Mm -hmm. from that message can come another conversation, maybe even on the phone. Now, that uh, with that message that you're sending out there, is it in the form of a question, or is it just kind of touch and base, and then we go into questioning? Just, just an introduction. Yeah. Just, hey, how are you? I see that we have some mutual friends. Where do you live right now? You know, Is there anything I could help you with? I do live in Jersey, and I'm a realtor here. Uh, have you heard of me or my group? Sure. And that's how the conversation starts. So then you get the conversation going, and you know, how do you build that bigger rapport? Uh, once again, I go back to who we know mutually, right. you know, friends that we know, and maybe reach out to that friend and say, hey, I just actually spoke with this person. Would you be able to do me a favor and just reach out to them and say, hey, Ron Eisen is a really good realtor in New Jersey if you ever need any real estate advice or you know, help with real estate? Give them a shout. That's fantastic. And you know what? That That's a nugget for everyone listening because nobody succeeds on their own, right? 100%. And you're, you're making that initial contact, but then you're leveraging, for lack of a better way to put it, your relationships with the co- common people to reach out to them. That's really great, Ron. It's all about referrals. Yeah. And that's where it all comes from. So how critical do you think it is to find common ground with people when you're communicating with them? I think it's huge. Um, Without common ground, what else do you have? Uh, You know, like you said before, while we were off the air, you know, you sound like a broken record or just a salesperson. You don't don't want to necessarily show yourself as that person. So you want to find some commonality between you and that other person, especially when you first have that initial introduction. Sure. You don't want to sound like a robot. You don't want to sound like you're trying to sell something. What does that look like? you know. Hey, hey, Ron. So you pick up the phone and you'd call them, right? Eventually after the social media. Right. So, hey, Ron, this is Greg. Thanks for reaching out to me. 
How are you, Greg? I'm doing great, Ron. How you doing today? Good, good. Thanks for uh, giving me a few minutes of your day. I'm sure you're very busy. Uh, my pleasure. Bob speaks extremely highly of you. So I just wanted to reach out to you today and just let you know, I'm not sure if you see all of my content on social media, but you know, I am here in New Jersey. I've been doing this for a little over six years now in real estate. I know that you have perhaps some people you know that are on honestly looking to move to Jersey because everyone is. I uh, just wanted to see if there's anyone that you know that may need some help. I'd love to be there for them if you can just, uh, you know, introduce me. Well, Ron, I appreciate the phone call, and I have actually, we're thinking about moving. Awesome. You know, we've been in Staten Island. Values are way up right now, and we want to move. I think we got to make that natural trek over to New Jersey. Greg, do you have any children? I do. I have four kids. That's awesome. So you're looking for a place in Jersey that has a good school system, probably. Exactly. I need a good school system and we need a lot of bedrooms. So that's what my wife and I, we were thinking about as well when, you know, we have two kids, uh, two daughters, one is nine, one is seven. Uh, and I, I totally understand where you're coming from. So, so school system is very important to us as well. And that's why we chose Manalapan because Manalapan has one of the Blue Ribbon Schools uh, Wemrock Brook, and that's where we are currently. Fantastic. Oh, man. Every, I hope everyone listened to that. It was fantastic, Ron. I put Ron on the spot with that, and that's, uh, that was really great. Cool. So you see how easy that can be when you rehearse it. Now, do you practice? You know what? With all the years of experience yeah. of being a salesman, I, I, I kind of just used that and just created something that shows me and not just, you know, something that comes from a piece of paper written down. Sure. You know, so I don't, again, I don't want to ever be a, ro a robot. Sure. And most people are, and that's why they're not as successful. So, and I, I couldn't agree with you more, and not being a robot and, and getting engaging in that dialogue. I hope one of the things that people heard in just our brief role play, you're asking me the right questions. You nailed the question. Like for me, I have four kids. You ask that question, so you know immediately school system's important to me. Well, I think initially, you know, not only do I want to learn more about you as a client, but I want to get into your family, and, and I want to know what your motivation is. Uh, where do you see yourself in five or ten years? Is this a starter home? Is this an investment home? Um, is this going to be a forever home? So that's something that's really important for me to jot down to make sure I know so that I am prepared when I actually meet you in person and show you the right home and not just waste your time. And yeah, we were talking the other day. I mean, you speak to 50 new people a week, probably at least, right? Right. And how do you keep track of everyone? You keep notes, files on everybody? You have to keep notes. You, um, you know, I have a note for every single client. Uh, and when I meet them, I basically just you know, just spit out something, you know, maybe a name of their child. And they're like, oh, wow, you actually remember that? Right. And I'm like, you have to, you know, you have to be very personable uh, when it comes to meeting new clients. And they don't want necessarily just another person in their life. They want someone that will make a difference. Yeah. And um, that's... They want the relationship. The relationship is key. You know, and I think that that paradigm, you know, I, I think that Sometimes as salespeople, you can feel that you might just be, it may just be transactional, right. but at the end of the day, those long-term relationships and the really solid relationships that we have with all of our clients, they're all relationship-based. Yep. Our relationships, right? It's all relationship-based, and that's probably the, the number one. 
I, I notice when we're kind of doing our role play again, you're kind of listening to what I'm saying, then you're forming another question after that. Now, is that something you've always kind of been good at, or did you have to train yourself? No, that's just normal, right? Yeah, just in my head, that's that's what I do. And don't overthink it either, right? Don't just it's it. people having conversations with people. That's it. And uh, again, if there's anyone out there that's new listening to this, that's extremely important. You know, this isn't about being a robot. This is about having conversation with people and, and being interested. Well, that's in where your referrals come from, too, yeah. because if you're, you know, if, if you're a good people person, that person will recommend you to their friends and family. And that's how your referral base starts sure. working and, you know, your, your business flourishes. Now, what do you think are some really great questions to ask people when you're building the rapport? You know, number one is, you know, children. Number yeah. two is what your motivation is. Um, how long have you lived in the house that you are in now? Uh, are you looking to sell that house? Are you looking to rent that house? Uh, where is that money coming from? What do you do for a living? You know, mm -hmm. has your job affected your, you know, your, your family in the last couple of years? Things like that very important to ask because you don't want to show them a house here for let's say 800,000 when they can only afford $700,000 house. Sure. So it's, it's, it's important to ask those type of questions. You know, when you're saying those questions, all I'm thinking to myself is it's a consultation, right? Like it is a consultation and having a conversation with someone that truly understand what it is that they're looking to accomplish. Right. I, I don't see it as an interview. Yeah. It, it's just a, a normal conversation that everyone should have with their new clients just to get an idea of what's going on. Right. So how do you, do you have to change your questioning depending on the type of person that you're speaking to? And what I mean by that is you have first time home buyers, you have luxury buyers, you have step-up buyers, you have investors, like there's different types of people that are looking to purchase properties. I think for me, it just goes back to commonality. I always try to find a common ground with the person I speak with. Mm -hmm. uh, if I can't find a common ground, I always add my partner who I work with now. And you know, if I feel uncomfortable with the conversation I'm having, I always include him and say, you know, I do have a partner, his name is Jonathan, and him and I work together on helping clients such as yourself. I would love for him to be part of this process. Mm -hmm. If you don't mind, let's get him on the phone. Let's get him involved just so that maybe he can find that common ground with that person. Sure. So it's, again, it goes back to, it's important to knowing what that customer or client wants. And if I can't find that, I hope that my partner, Jonathan, can. Well, and having the humility to make that transition, right? Absolutely. You know, where you don't have to control everything and recognizing the fact, hey, listen, I'm not going to get along with every single person I, I talk to, but being comfortable enough and, again, having the humility to be able to make that referral. I absolutely don't mind that. So it's, it's been working. Why not? Uh, that, that's, that's great. And I know you're off to a, a great year this year. I want to talk a little bit about conversations that you have with clients, you know, kind of that going back to the questioning and listening skill. Give me an example of a problem that can come up in the real estate field. I think more so than anything, people think that it's important to just keep talking. And as a salesperson, I was taught that stop talking and let the other person speak. You know, the more you know your customer, the better off and the more success you'll have to get that person in a house here in Jersey. Sure. Um, 
So it's important for them to just just keep talking. And I'm most of the time people want to keep talking. So right. let them speak, you know. And as they're speaking, jot down your notes. And at that point, when they're finished, then you can start asking the right questions, sure. and you don't sound like an idiot. Yeah, and that's that holds true to every facet of it, right? The upfront building the rapport, doing your needs analysis. Oh, we have a problem because there's a lot of problems that come up. Right. And your ability to listen to what people are saying and then be able to respond appropriately because different people need to be communicated with in different fashions. So it's funny because we all get the uh, spam phone calls from right. time to time. And I actually use those calls and uh, to my advantage. And I always like play that role role play game with that person because I know what they're doing and I can actually tell when they're reading off a script. So I, I play with them and you know at the end of the, t the, the conversation, I'm like, you're an idiot. You should not be <laughs> talking so much. Let me speak. And I teach them and I'm like, it's diarrhea of the mouth and that's what I call it. And I, right. you know, and a lot of people do that and I try not to uh, get into that whole world, but I tell people who are new, that's not. That's something that you should not be doing. Yeah, that's great. How do you always take the uh, spam calls? I always take those spam calls. <laughs> you know, it makes me better. Um, right. It makes me better, but I also like to just mess with the other person yeah. and teach them and teach, and, them. And teach them. Yeah. So uh, that's that's great. So, who controls the flow of the conversation when you're talking to a client customer? Initially, I let them control mm -hmm. the, the the conversation. But I think when I get them, um, you know, when I get them in front of me after the conversation, they're already, you know, uh, on the street, by the car, with their family. And that's where I kind of like, you know, use my, I don't even know what it's called because it's just natural to me. But charisma? It's charisma, yeah. you know, and being that I know so much about them and their family before I meet them in person just makes it so much easier the the ice is broken at that point and you know first thing i say is hey kids how are you dana or whatever the the child's name is and you know high-fiving them and just trying to make it more friendly instead of you know making it a, a business transaction yeah rigid never works no Right. I mean, I know some people that's their approach and they can be very successful with it. And I guess that goes back to someone's individual personality as well. Sure, right. Sure. You know, have, being able to enjoy what you do. And you always seem like you enjoy what you do. I love what I do. Yeah, you can I'm tell. always I mean, look at me. You always tell me I have a tan. I'm like, I'm always outside. <laughs> I love what I do. I'm not behind a computer. And this is great. I love my life. You always get a tan. You're always smiling. Yeah. Why not? I'm with we, you. We only live once. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> it could always be worse. So why do you think it's so hard for people to listen, especially when you're new in the industry? Because a lot of people feel that they have to show their experiences and show that they're in charge and they've been doing this for a very long time and they've been successful doing it this way. I don't see it that way. Right. You know, let someone else speak, you know, because I think the more information you have of someone... I think that's where the success lies. If you have so much to understand about someone, it just gets easier. Yeah, yeah. I've kind of always felt that it's a little bit of an insecurity when people just continue to speak and speak and speak because they're they need to be able to control it, right? Because it takes a lot of uh, 
I, mean, I know I'm using the word humility. Maybe it's not the right adjective, but it, let's say it takes humility to let someone else control it or at least give them the illusion of the control of the conversation. So I let that happen. Yeah. You know, let them control the conversation initially. But then once I have all the pieces that I need, that's when I take over. Yeah. And that's when they see that I know what I'm talking about. And I'm not shy from telling someone that they're wrong as well. Right. I think I use that to my advantage because most of the time that person is in control of their situation and some people choose not to tell them that they're wrong. But once they hear it from me, they kind of step back a little bit and let me control the situation mm -hmm. because they know what I, they know I've been doing this for a long time and they know that I know what I'm talking about. You've earned the right. Right. Because you've listened to everything that they've had to say, you've asked them the right questions and you've earned the right then to control it. Absolutely. Versus just coming bull in a china closet. Ah, I'm going to control everything and we're going to dictate all this. You've you've earned that right and then they listen to you. Absolutely. Because you know what you're talking about. I hope so. I, I know you do. <laughs> <laughs> so do you think it's easier to listen on the phone or in person? I think it's easier to listen on the phone. Okay. Um, in person, you technically have to, you know, face-to-face, eye-to-eye, you know? Like, I, I always try not to lower my head when I speak to you in person mm -hmm. and try to, you know, look at you in your eyes because that's what shows you know, a strength. Sure. Um, but on the phone, it's easier because they don't see what you're doing. And I'm able to like, just think about things that I will, I'm prepared to ask them. Mm -hmm. um, so it, it's definitely easier on the phone. Do you, uh, do you have a mirror in your office when you're talking to somebody? Did you ever? When I was a financial advisor, they used to tell me to go home and practice, you know, by a mirror. And I did that, but that wasn't my thing. Okay. I, I didn't like doing that. Uh, but I do, you know, uh, read to myself and just prepare uh, notes of what I'm going to say when sure. I do speak with someone. So I just, it's repetition for me. So you had mentioned eye contact and an in person. You know, how much do the eyes tell you? Do you listen to the eyes? I think a lot of times when I keep my focus on someone else's eyes. Yeah maybe sometimes that may make them uncomfortable. And and I see when that happens and they start moving their eyes away. And at that point, I change the way I actually present myself because I feel like they're uncomfortable. So I try to not make them uncomfortable and do different things. I mean, you haven't taken your eyes off my eyes since we've been oh, Your, your eyes are beautiful. What do you got? Blue <laughs> eyes over there? Green, Ra red. Ra Rachel loves them, I'm sure. Oh, I don't know. No, she likes dark eye that guys. <laughs> I'm not gonna look at Nick all the time. So how about body language? You know, what does listening to body language? Sitting at the table with a couple of people. You know, a lot what of do you read? A lot of people always tell me I'm whenever I present myself, I'm always, you know, shoulders back, like, you know, chest out and it makes them feel that I've got control. And my partner says that to me all the time. Right. He's like, you control the room when you're, you know, when you're there. He goes, I can't do that. I'm like, well, I think it's all about confidence. You know, and you get the confidence from, you know, the, the, the deals that you do. Uh, every yeah. single deal gives you certain confidence that you didn't have prior to that. Um, and, I, and I just use that and create more confidence going into my next transaction or my next client that I speak with. Sure. You know, it's repetition and flow. Cause yeah. when you even look at your questioning people, it's like 10 questions you ask people, right. it's more listening 
like you do, to the, what they're saying and keeping track of it to formulate your thought process. To, oh, what am I going to ask them next that makes sense in relative to go going deeper in the conversation? Right. So, Ron, we're going to take a quick break. Uh, Greg Wareham, Ron Eisen, we'll be coming right back at you. Sounds good. So I want to thank today's sponsor, Artisans Restaurant and Brewery, conveniently located on Hooper Avenue in Toms River, New Jersey. They offer classic Italian cuisine, classic Mediterranean cuisine. They're a full-scale brewery, so you have your selection of beverages as well as outstanding food. They have a great venue where you can plan a private party, you can plan a work event, you can plan a birthday. They're family-owned family-friendly, family-operated in their 21st year of business. If you're looking for a great place to go, please check out Artisan's Restaurant and Brewery in Tom's River, New Jersey. For more information, please check them out on the web at artisanstomsriver.com. Welcome back, everyone, to Your Mortgage Process. I, of course, am your host, Greg Wareham. We have Ron Eisen from the Eisen Group today. Welcome back, Ron. Hey, guys. Hey, I wanted to backtrack a little bit and talk about potential or pick up where we're at and talking about potential situations you run into on a day-to-day basis. So uh, yeah, go ahead, Ron. uh, You know, I was thinking about this during the break and, you know, uh, situations come up where the new client that I have that I just get on the phone with doesn't understand the process of the real estate transaction and doesn't understand what is entailed in a successful transaction. Mm-hmm. And that's where I have to come in. And, you know, I do recommend certain individuals and vendors to, um, you know, to put together for that transaction to be successful at the end of the day. Sure. But there are people who always say, oh, no, I have, you know, a family friend who's an attorney, a family friend who has a title company, a family friend who has a mortgage broker. And I always say, that's great, and I appreciate that you do have that, and I'm sure they'll do a great job, but I want you to understand that the market here is crazy, and you have to have proper pieces in place in order for that transaction or for the purchase of your home to be successful. Sure. And you know, sometimes people tend to say, all right, yeah, I appreciate what you're saying, but we want to use this person, we want to use that person. Mm-hmm. And I have to be okay with that. Yeah. And you know, that's a part of the industry that the consumer doesn't necessarily understand. You know, people do not want to be forced into using anyone that, that they do not want to use and which we'd never do that. But it's what makes it work so well is the network. You know, you're always dealing with the same people, lender, title company, attorney, right? And it just makes for ease of transaction because there's a high trust relationship with everybody that's involved. I think when, once the initial ice is broken between the client and I, at that point, I make them aware of what is entailed when it comes to buying a house. Sure. Um, a lot of people just think, oh, it's easy. Buy a house and you know get to the closing table and that's it. Right. Um, but no, there's so many pieces to that puzzle. And if you don't have the necessary pieces in place, that may affect your closing date. Uh, that may affect... Um, you know, potentially something bad happening during the transaction, sure. um, during your inspections. You know, it's important to potentially use a, an inspector who I know, who I've been dealing with for the last couple of years. Right. I know their reports. Some inspectors come in, don't even take any pictures of the items within the house. And at that point, after the fact, you can't go back to the house and say, well, you know, you have to fix this because it's 
we don't know what to fix. Sure. So I know without my inspectors who I recommend, they take pictures, they're detailed, and I'm able to use all of that information to hopefully get the client to the closing mm -hmm. table. So in the market that we're in right now, things have changed so much from last year to this year. And, and there's still that shortage of inventory and there's still a lot of people looking to, to purchase homes. But houses that used to sell for $100,000 over asking price, well, maybe they're only selling for 20000 over asking price or at the asking price. So when you have someone that's listed a home with you where the house hasn't sold for a while, chances are it's probably the price, right? That's Absolutely. why it hasn't sold. Like, how do you have that conversation and not create any type of tension? Well, in the luxury market where I have currently a house that I listed probably about six months ago, seven months ago now, you know, it's at a higher price point. It's a different market. And the house has just been sitting there. We've had a number of showings and more than I ever thought we would. And it just hasn't sold. And we had a bunch of offers at a very low price. Um, and the seller just chose not to take them, didn't even want to start a conversation because he has a number in mind and that's a number he wants to get. Mm -hmm. Now, my job is hard because now I'm telling him, well, the buyers dictate the market and the buyers are willing to pay you this. So you're not going to get this. Right. And at that point, I have to have that conversation. I have to have to sit down and explain to him, the market has shifted. This is what the buyers want to pay for it. If you're not willing to at least entertain that offer, then maybe you're not motivated to sell. And maybe we have to re-strategize and you know, potentially take it off the market for a little while. Why waste your time? And is that the candidness of the conversation? Absolutely. Yeah. I don't want to waste anyone's time. And right. I know what's going to happen. If we don't reduce the price today, once my listing expires and my contract expires with the seller, mm -hmm. someone else will come into the picture, tell them exactly what I'm telling them today. And they're going to be okay with that price at that time. And someone else will sell the house. Right. I don't want that to happen. Sure. So, how much of your job is uh, being a therapist? Always. <laughs> I'm always hand holding. That's our job. Yeah. You know, real estate is great, but it's it's all about hand holding. How do you handle the transaction start to finish? Make sure it gets to the closing table. So it's I'm an art. I'm always hands on. Yeah. I, I never let you know a lot of other agents, and I'm not going to point anyone out, of course, but you know the bigger teams they tend to have their rainmaker or a team leader in, you know, um, be at the, I guess, interview, initial interview to get the listing for the house. And then the seller never sees that person ever again. And then the entire team basically handles the transaction. Mm -hmm. That's where I'm different. Uh, no matter how big the transaction is or small, I always am there from A to Z, from, for, from the beginning to the end. I make sure that I know exactly what's going on. Um, if the buyer is, uh, you know, already in process of getting their mortgage, um, you know, has the appraisal been ordered? Have they reached out to an insurance company for insurance purposes? You have to have all those pieces in place in order to get to the closing table. I make sure that I'm there and I ask the questions when need be so that we are 
you know, in line for the closing yeah. date. And I'd say from the mortgage standpoint on transactions that we've done together, you do that on a regular basis. Right. Okay. What's going on with this? What do we need? When are we closing? When's the appraisal? Well, and you it, know everything that's going on. Because they're always questioning me. Right. And it's not that they're calling the mortgage broker or their attorney, because a lot of times the attorneys that they use, they're not always available. And I pride myself on being available to every single one of my clients. And my wife hates me for this because I guarantee every single client of mine that my phone will never go to voicemail. And wow. that's hard to do, but I always pick up my phone yeah. and people appreciate that. Not everyone can do that. And people ask me, how do you do it? I'm like, well, you know what? If I'm with you, I still pick up the phone for someone else, but I always let them know that I'll call them back in a few minutes. Mm -hmm. So I'm always in touch with my clients or for that matter, any vendors. Sure. If an attorney's calling me on a specific deal, I'm always there to answer to make sure that they know what's going on. They know that I know what's going on. Yeah. It's important. For no, me. you take the call. I'll call you back. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's great. It's extremely difficult for those of you listening out there that may be newer in the industry. That is... That's like a level nine out of 10 difficulty to make sure, if not higher, to make sure that you're constantly taking the phone call that's coming in. But it's paramount in making sure that your consumer feels like you're involved and feels like you care. Yeah. I just had a, um, a transaction that closed in Monroe, and the buyer was a little older woman mm -hmm. uh, who wasn't very tech savvy, so she wasn't able to check her emails consistently. Um, Whereas I'm on my phone every two seconds checking my email, make sure that I don't miss an email. But she said to me, Ron, you're always available. Anytime I either text you or call, you're always available. I don't need my attorney because I know you know what's going on. Mm -hmm. And I pride myself on that. I love that. When someone tells me that, that's that's what I'm here for. You know, customer service is what I do. Uh, that's, a, that's fantastic, Ron. Is that Backpedaling to uh, listening and different things to keep an eye out for. And when people are giving you information, like if your customers are giving you information or a lender or anybody else, do you pick up on contradictions of things that may be being said? More so than not, I use my experiences. Yeah. You know, and what I've experienced on prior deals, that's what I use and say, you know, when I need it. Right. Um, you know, this is what I've learned just recently. And this is why I'm telling you this needs to be. Right. Well, I'm going to work on the next question. I'm going to make it even more complicated in the way that I phrase it. <laughs> so how do you create a strategy with people based on what you're hearing? Like you make it look so easy. So if someone's telling you something, all right, well, how am I going to put a strategy together? Especially if it's someone new, a new customer, because uh, strategies are different for everybody. I can't even answer that. Yeah. It, again, it, this is, it's just a normal thing. I, I, I think going back to my early days as a you know, stockbroker where they used to you know, put me on the spot all the time and you know, um, make me stand up and just come to me with a question and I have to answer. And if I don't answer it, I can't get back on the phone. So it was like <laughs> you know, they scared me enough to you know, put into my head that you know, I need to be quick to respond. Sure. You know, if you, I think if you pause just like I just did, you know, someone on the other side may say they, you know, this guy may not know what he's talking about. Mm -hmm. the, you know, is he the right person for me? 
Right. You know, so you have to be on your toes at all times. Yeah, it's like that cash memory computer term, right? Pretty much. Right back, right back at you. Yeah. And, uh, and again, you're extremely good at it. Thanks. You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> it seems like within the first, like you have people at hello, right? Like once you get them talking, it's they could be. That's it. It's like you're talking to friends, family. Yep. It's all the same conversation. It's our smile. That's it. Yeah. Just got to <laughs> smile and everything else happens. You know, it is a great compliment. And I'm not trying to make this about me, but I, I, I'd have people come into my office and they'd hear me on the phone with somebody and they would assume I was talking to a friend of mine. Right. And after they'd say, well, who are you on the phone with? Oh, it's just someone brand new that called me. And they're like, really? I go, well, yeah. It's the same conversation that I'm having with the consumer, that I'm having with family, that I'm having with friends, that I'm having with referral partners. It's all the same conversation. It's upbeat, listening, and having a great dialogue with people. That's that's the magic to this industry, to the sales profession. A hundred percent. And that goes back to the whole, you know, commonalities. Right. You know, find something in common and it just gets easy. Right. You don't make it too hard. It's an easy, you know. I think along those lines, I've always noticed with with some salespeople that they have a hard time not complicating it. You're right. Right? Even on a um, on an initial cold call, like don't make it complicated. You know, just find a common ground. Don't don't make this a business thing. Right. You know, make that other person laugh, you know, and mm -hmm. joke about it. You know, make them remember you. Right. You know? And once they remember you, the next time you speak to them, they always will go back to that initial conversation and say, I remember what you said to me, right. you know, make them remember, you know, and I'm going to go back to what you were saying be before about, is it easier to uh, listen in person or on the phone? And you say on the phone, right? Cause you could think about it. You write it down and everything like that. I don't think most people are wired that way. No, I think it's very difficult for people to stay focused on a telephone call and really listen because there's so much going on during that conversation that you start thinking about other things and the focus may shift somewhere else right whereas when you're in front of them your focus is right there yeah so well and just understanding the what's my objective right, right? you're on the phone with someone stay don't multitask you're not on your computer you're not checking this you're not checking that that person is yours exclusively for the time that you're on the telephone with Agreed. them. And, but I, I, what I've noticed with especially younger salespeople in the industry, well, I like to do it in person. Well, that's because it probably hides some of the lack of listening right. that you're putting into it, right? Because then you can kind of flow in different avenues versus really having to be laser focused on what someone's saying and the questions that you're asking them. Well, don't get me wrong. You want to meet that person in person, sure. Uh, because once they see you in person, it's a completely different ball game. You know, you're not on the phone anymore. There's nowhere to shy away from, and you know, get to the point and try to find that common ground. Once again, I, I'm going to say this all the time: you have to find the common ground. Right. What's the one question you ask everybody? How long have you been married? <laughs> if they're married, if they're married. you know. Uh, how long? If, how long yeah. have you been together? Yeah. You know. Um, did, did you guys always uh, want to have children? Yeah. If they have children, you know, things like that. What if they're not married? What would you ask me? If, I'm a single guy. What do you do for a living? See, it's simple, yeah. right? Yeah. What yeah. do you do for, and, and that's where that conversation goes. It's like, all right, how long have you been doing this? Yeah. You know, just to kind of understand where you're coming from, where you came from, 
in sales, there's nothing more powerful than the perfect question. Right. Because it, you ask that right question and it just leads you down a rabbit hole of everything that they want to talk about. Right. Right. And being able to build off of that. And once again, you ask them that question yeah. and they'll talk. And that's where you get the information from. And that's the fun part of our job. Right. You know, listening to people, getting to know people, you know, understanding where where they are, where they've been and what they're trying to accomplish. For sure. And not looking at it uh, transactionally. Sure. And you come into a rigid, it's more of a transaction versus just flowing with everything that's going on. Yep. So what's the one piece of advice you would give to someone trying to hone their listening skills? Now you're putting me on the spot. You got Um, this. Listening skills, I would just say... Don't talk when you're on the phone with someone new. You know, l- ask a question and just wait for answers. Right. Um, get as much information as possible. And if the conversation, you know, is paused because that's all they want to tell you, right. at that point you start asking more questions. It's all about knowing your customer. Um, I do yeah. have a compliance background. And they always used to instill in me and say, know your customer. The more you know about them, the better off you're going to be. You'll be able to guide them in the right direction. You'll be able to recommend uh, different types of securities. Um, You know, just things that you know about them can lead you to, um, uh, you know, a better, I guess, understanding of what they need. You know, it's slow it, slow it down. Yeah. People seem to be in a hurry all the time. Right. Oh, let me get out what I got to get out. Right. No, no, no. Slow it down. Here's a question. Yeah. Oh, what's the answer? Well, here's another question. Right. And just enjoying, enjoy the process. Sure. Right. Not try to rush through it. So a question for you, Ron, when you were to, if you were to look at your overall style in selling, would you consider yourself aggressive, passive, somewhere in between? I think it's somewhere in between. I yeah. can be aggressive when I need to be aggressive, yeah. but I'm very passive and I let the client dictate until I know I have to. Yeah. So it's just, um, you know, I'm in middle ground. Yeah. Again, once you've, be- you've built that loyalty through your know, question and listening, and then you have the, the right. That I could be yeah. aggressive. Correct. Yeah. And then you can go after it. Right. So I know you grew up in the Brooklyn area mm-hmm. uh, and you are bilingual. I am. I uh, do speak Russian fluently. If you meet me in person, you would never know. Uh, I think Nick here, you know, was like Russian. Where'd that come from? <laughs> um, but yes, uh, I do speak uh, Russian fluently. My family is from uh, Latvia, from Riga. Okay. Um, and uh, but I was born here, and uh, I do speak and write um, in Russian fluently. Uh, that's great. I wish I was bilingual. A lot of my clients come from you know being Russian. Yeah. You know, people just don't speak the English language, and that's where I take control. So, Ron, how do you feel that being bilingual has helped you in your real estate career? So, my background, again, born and raised in Brooklyn, um, you know, went to school in Lincoln High School in Brooklyn. And, you know, a lot of my friends, I think 95% of my friendship database is Russian. Mm-hmm. And they've got, you know, their parents, their grandparents, and a lot of those individuals are old school Russian, right. and they're not as English savvy, I guess, speaking. Mm-hmm. So that's where I come in. And my competition, you know, either it be at Keller Williams or any other brokerage, there are plenty of Russian brokers, Russian realtors, but I just use, again, my sphere of influence to be able to speak with these people in their native language and, you know, get an idea of what they're looking for because 
it's also tough because a lot of these people come to me and they haven't been pre-approved. So now I have to think, who will I recommend for mortgage purposes? Because if they don't speak any English, for you, Greg, being that you don't speak their language, how do you combat that or how do you find a a middle ground and how can you help them? So if you send me over a Russian client, it can become difficult and I'm really transparent up front. I mean, it has to be a situation where the potential buyer is comfortable communicating with me uh, if there's a language barrier. And either we get a third party involved. I was going to say, I think... um, I would be part of that conversation and I would have to micromanage how it goes uh, because I know you don't speak any Russian and I know they need that help. So I would 100% have to be involved in everything. Yeah. And it's just, it's so important. I can't stress it enough from a lending standpoint. People have to be comfortable. I mean, it's a lot of money on the line, right? People borrow a lot of money. So you need to have the relationship with the agent, like the one that we have, Ron. And hey, at the end of the day on something, if someone's just more comfortable speaking to someone in their native tongue, that's okay. Right. Because it's all about the client at the end of the day and making sure they're comfortable. And that's what I was going to just say is, I always ask the client if it's okay for me to recommend someone who doesn't speak Russian and that I would be part of the conversation with them mm-hmm. so that I can, you know, kind of go back and forth and tell them what you're saying so they understand it all. Yeah, you know and it's and it's diff- it's difficult, right? I mean, people want to be communicated in the fashion that they want to be communicated with. Right. So when you look at the real estate end of it, this is going to be the biggest transaction that anyone ever makes. It's, you know, it's really important that they're able to communicate with you in the fashion that they need to be communicated with. Absolutely. And that's why that's a lot of my business stems from the Russian community. Not my only source of business, uh, but I think about 50%, 60% of my business comes from you know, Russian speaking clients. Yeah. It makes sense. If someone needed you for something, Ron, someone's looking to buy a house, sell a house, or even wanted to pick your brain about how you've gotten to where you're at, what's the best way to reach out to you? Just call me. I'm available. Like I just said before, <laughs> he'll pick up the phone. I will not put it. I, my, my call will not go to voicemail. I promise you guys. What's your uh, phone number, your cell phone number? 917-974-1915. And my email is Ron J. Ison. That's R-O-N, the letter J-I-S-O-N, at gmail.com. And could you please give us those instructions in Russian? Вы можете мне позвонить. Мой телефон никогда не пойдет на voicemail. Вы можете мне звонить. 917-974-1915. И мой email Ron J. Ison at gmail.com. Ron, it was fantastic. I'm so jealous, by the way. <laughs> Isn't that cool? How cool is that, Nick? Oh, I'm so simple. <laughs> Ron, I really appreciate you taking the time to be on the show today. Thank you fantastic. very much for having me, Greg. Oh, it. it was just my pleasure to have thank you. you. And thank you, everyone, for listening out there today. Again, this is Greg Wareham with Your Mortgage Process, our guest, Ron Eisen, today. Look forward to catching up with everyone next week. Thanks, guys. Thank you for tuning in to this week's edition of Your Mortgage Process, hosted by Greg Wareham, produced by Greg Wareham and Nick Pavise at The Social Rift, and executively produced by The Social Rift. Thank you again for tuning in, and we look forward to catching up with you next week.